Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind while I'm talking to Brandon Rabe. Based out of Hawaii, he's an active investor that specializes in the BRRRR strategy. BRRRR stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. He invests for cash flow in the Midwest though. While building his portfolio, he's developed a passion for personal growth and become a certified high performance coach. As a coach, he helps individuals reach new levels of success in their personal and professional lives and guides new investors towards starting their own real estate portfolios. He does all this while maintaining a full-time job, raising two children with his wife, Christine, and volunteering at his local church. Uh, Brandon is a down-to-earth individual that I really enjoyed talking to him because, again, it, it kind of brings you back, or us back all the way to season one where those of us trying to start from the beginning and not feeling so intimidated by maybe some individuals that we're talking about syndicating and, you know, renovating hotels. This guy is bare to bones, started from, you know, started from scratch. And we also talk about the Midwest, which is a, right now a very, you know, popping area right now that has a lot of individuals from the West Coast and higher income areas trying to invest in that area because the cash flow makes a lot of sense. And for those of you that are obsessed or go by the guideline of the 1% rule, uh, definitely you can meet those margins in the Midwest area. So please check out this episode and please enjoy. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. Hey Brandon, thanks for taking this time. Uh, great, it's going to be another great episode about real estate investing, especially the Burr strategy. So, if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks Anthony for having me on. Uh, my name is Brandon Robbie. I'm a high performance coach. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate mentor, public speaker. Uh, I still work a full-time W-2 job, right? Awesome. Um, I got, yeah, uh, I got two small kids. I got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So that's almost like a full-time job. And I also volunteer at my local church. We do, um, me and my wife, we do photography and videography over there. Awesome. Which I guess goes back to the camera we were talking about before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, uh, tell us about a little bit about how did you get started in real estate? Yeah, you know, I wasn't I was interested in, in real estate for quite a while, like back when I was in high school. Right. I, I thought it was a cool, neat idea to uh, have rental property, to have that kind of freedom, to have cash coming in. But my circumstances at the time didn't really allow me to do that or I couldn't mm -hmm. fathom it. Right. And I just 
I set it on a side for probably more than 10 years. You know, I just focused more on living an average life, right? Get, going to school, getting a job, starting a family. Nothing wrong with that though, right? But that's kind of what I focused in more on. And when our first daughter turned one years old, that's kind of where I realized like, man, I really want to spend time with her. I want to spend time with my wife. How do I get more time? You know, what do I need to do? And that's when I revisited real estate investing, mm-hmm. you know? So I started uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, going to different meetups, you know, just kind of diving into the, the real estate community, getting to know a little bit more of how to do it. What does it look like? What, what does that involve? So that's how I got started. But, okay. Yeah. What, what was your first deal? My first deal was, it was a single family, right? It, it was a single family out in the Midwest. So I'm in Honolulu and the market here is, is crazy. I mean, the price points are really high. Yes. Right? We're already talking about seven, eight, $900,000 homes, you know? So uh, I'm investing out in the Midwest, so uh, specifically that I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And, um, but before I even got that first property and right after I started diving into the podcast and books and, and meetups and everything, I got to a point where I really needed something to push me to the next level, right? I'm sure a lot of people, that's where you start off, you know, with the free stuff, whatever's online. Yes. But for me, there came a point where it's like, I'm just hitting this wall and I can't break through. So for me, that what helped me break through was working with a mentor, working with a coach who really had what I wanted, was already doing real estate full time, was in Kansas City or investing in Kansas City. Um, So really seeking guidance from a mentor. And that's really what helped me get to that first property. Probably a month or two months or so working with a mentor that's, yeah, helped me move over and purchase my first property. So what were the, so that was, was that a burr or you, it was just, uh, you bought it as is? The, that first one was, there was a tenant in place and in our little circle, we like to call it a hybrid burr. So burr is still the strategy, but the R's are just in the different um, order. order. Correct. Yeah. So this one had a tenant in place. It took care of the property. Didn't need a whole bunch of rehab or anything really. <sighs> but they were selling at a discount. So that's really what attracted me to this first property. And, and yeah, six months after that, we went through the whole, the refinance and the renter is still there to this day. It's still cash flowing and hasn't caused any major problems. So what made it a hybrid burr is the fact that you, you rehabbed it as the tenants in there. Uh... So basically the rehab R is deferred until they leave. Okay. And to this point, they haven't left yet, and it's been um, it's been producing since day one. Okay. Or performing, I should say. Yeah. Okay, so so you you bought it at a discount price because of the repairs that's probably needed, but it's still livable. Still livable, but in this particular case, the seller was just looking to offload it. Okay. And, and what's unique too about this first property was, um, on paper, it was a two-one but the seller had pro- had converted the garage into a third bedroom. Okay. But they're selling it as a two one, but in reality it was a three one. Awesome. Yeah. So that's why I was able to get it at such a discount. 
and you and then you bump up the rent because now you're renting it as a three one. Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay, Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what what is the average price out there like? Like, how much did you have to purchase that for in that in that market? Yeah, at the time. So this is pre COVID. At the time, I purchased that property for seventy eight thousand. And uh, when I did the refinance, it appraised for 130. And present oh, wow. day though, yeah, so present day, they're worth right around there, 130, 140, 150 for a three one in that particular area of Kansas City. And to do your further deals, did you end up using the equity that you had in that home? You know, yes and no. Um, so if we could rewind back to when I first started, yes, I when I got started investing, I didn't have a bunch of money. You know, I I think I probably had ten grand to my name when I started investing, mm-hmm. right? And it was the leverage of other people's money that really got me going for that first property. And I just continued on for the second and the next one and the next one because it worked for the first one. So um, as far as using the equity from that first property. Not necessarily, only because I still had to wait for the seasoning period of the six months, yeah, to get it back. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's something similar to what I uh, I plan to do. Um, looking at doing a uh, conventional burr, so conventional loan where I put fifteen percent down, and then I have to wait six months or six payments before I can uh, do a refinance or cash out refinance. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got Which it. is not bad. Okay, I got to wait six months to touch the money. You know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars worth. Of, uh, of cash to do something else. So mm-hmm. it allows me to do bunch of, but do you feel like with single family homes, uh, people are more than likely to stay there long-term versus apartments? I think so, right? Especially if they got young kids and they wanna, um, they don't wanna move them around, change different schools, you know? I can definitely see them staying there longer than uh, an apartment building or, you know, maybe something smaller, right? Yeah. So, yeah. What was the um what did you what did you probably get the most out of with that first deal? What was the biggest lesson you learned? Oh man, it was it was super scary, man. Like, you know, jumping in. I mean, first of all, it's not it's out of state. I'm investing yeah. in something that I never I've never visited Kansas City. I've never seen the property in real life. I mean, that was a huge step in itself, right? Um, so is this kind of overcoming that fear and realizing that. Hey, this is possible. You know, I can do this. No, yeah. Right. So yeah, that first property, I think, really just gave me the confidence to. How did you? Uh, what was your vetting process for a property manager? So this one, um, again. So I was working with a mentor, and he gave me a couple of referrals of property managers to reach out to, and just one in particular really stood out. You know, so what I like to really remember is this phrase, right? How you do anything is how you do everything. So with this particular property manager, I mean, he was on it, you know, he would email me promptly, he would answer my phone calls, he was available, he answered all the questions that I had. And this is before we even signed anything, right? This is still, I'm still trying to feel out who I'm gonna work with. And they were just really um, made me feel comfortable and confident that they would be able to manage the property. So, gotcha. yeah, because I mean, 
I'm not paying them anything, but here they are, you know, doing all these things going above and beyond for me, right? So that's really what led me to this particular property manager. And, and sure enough, you know, in, in the last year or so of us being working together, um, they're always delivering, they're always helpful, uh, very communicative. Um, yeah, and, and just being out of state, that's a real big one for me too, having good communication. Yes, no, yeah, you're right, because, um, you know, you're over 3,000 miles away, probably about 5,000 miles away, different time zones. And to have yeah. a, a property manager that is reliable and communicates often, I think is a, is a hot commodity. Um, a lot of, you'll hear a lot of real estate investors, they'll say, you know, you lose money when you have a property manager, you better off just, you know, manage it on your own. But mm -hmm. I do believe if, if you find one that finds it to where it's their, you know, their fiduciary responsibility to, you know, help you out, then, uh, then you've got a gold mine. Now you can start working on other things. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. You can focus more on a different aspect of your business instead of trying to deal with the tenants and do whatever they're complaining about. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have a question for you. So you said these guys are long-term tenants uh, and I forgot to ask you too, how long have you been real estate investing for? Since 2019. Okay. So you started when I started actually, uh, which actually was actually a good time in comparison to now, as far as how much the prices have gone up. I think that was like yeah. the last good year before things started kind of getting crazy. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, what's your process? Uh, what's your beliefs on rents? Do you increase annually? Uh, what are you, what is your thought process on rents? Do you kind of go with the market each, or if it's a loyal tenant, you try to keep the rent the same. If it's a loyal tenant, then I do want to increase it every year, even just a little bit. Right. Um, but it depends on the situation. I know for um, another property, this guy, he took care of all the repairs. He, you know, kept that he kept the place clean as if it was his own right so the previous owner charged him really low under market rent and i can understand why you know but if i'm doing the whole rehab i'm putting in a new tenant i'm going to try and get market rent gotcha and yeah right cuz it's brand new pretty much right kitchen counters bathroom everything is should be pretty brand new so i feel that that would warrant a market rent if not close to it Depending on the time of the year, too, right? Awesome. Do you uh, do you provide like incentives to people ex extend their lease for a long period of times? Uh, what's your relationship like that with the, I guess, with your property manager to your tenants? Yeah, I haven't come into a situation like that yet where I had to offer an incentive, um, but I'm open to it. Depending on whatever my property manager would recommend. Yes. So I, I think for one of the properties, the the rehab finished right around Thanksgiving which is pretty much kind of nobody wants to move. So uh, I had to defer to my property manager and be like, Hey, what, what should we do? I mean, it's been sitting out for two weeks and I got to get somebody in there. Um, they didn't offer an incentive yet at that moment, but what they did suggest was to just come down a little bit on, on price. Right. So we dropped it by 50 bucks. All of a sudden got all these applicants and then got it. Rented. That's crazy. So, it's crazy how 50 bucks will make a difference. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so uh, what other what other markets do you invest in? Do you only invest in uh, Missouri or other places? Yeah, right now I'm just focusing in on Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Okay, what, what do you yeah. like about that area so much? Initially, it was 
because my mentor was there, right? I needed somebody to teach me and he had the teams already built in place. Yeah. But as I gone through the journey and did my own research, I found that population is growing. It's right in the middle of the country. People are coming in and out, you know, um, they got an Amazon hub there. They got some other big companies there. They got good, um, the university over there, good medical stuff there. So as I started doing my own research, I figured, oh yeah, it's not too bad being in Kansas city. Right. Before working with a mentor, I was kind of looking at Memphis and Jacksonville mm -hmm. just because that's what I heard. Of. Yeah. Jacksonville, Flo Jacksonville, Florida, correct? Florida. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. But because there was already an established team in Kansas city with my mentor, that's kind of what drew me there. And after just being in the market, getting familiar with the area and familiar with the team, you know, that I, makes, I stuck around. That, make, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I think I failed to ask you uh, because this is where a lot of people get stumped on. How did you find your mentor? This guy. So I knew him back from my W2 job. My current W2 job is where I met him, but he retired. So he's financially free already. Right. Um, but this relationship didn't start when I knew him back at the job. Okay. So he held a meetup, a real estate meetup, and I visited that meetup and uh, that's how I connected with him and found out he was doing investing. And I just kind of built that relationship at, from the meetup. So had I not gone, gone to the meetup, I wouldn't have really known about what he does or seek his, his advice and all that. So yeah, that's what I'm consistently hearing. I'm consistently hearing people saying, hey, I, I went to the meetups, I went to the conventions, and that's how I met people. Uh, that were trying to do the same thing I was doing or even above what I was doing and, you know, pick their brain. And then it's funny how people that are successful, they're so willing to share information and uh, are willing to help people out. I find that very refreshing. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. I wasn't expecting to find that, you know, um, jumping into the real estate community. When I first got on Bigger Pockets, you know, I introduced myself and then all that. And all of a sudden, all these local people in Hawaii, like, hey, we should go have lunch. You should go have grab coffee you know and it's like wow this is weird i mean yeah sure i guess <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's crazy i guess you know everybody's it's infectious everybody wants to share information uh find out new opportunities or it's just really good to be around other people doing uh productive things right you know like just like the smile you have in your face now like it's something to be very elated about uh what's your uh current portfolio like now uh in the kansas city kansas city yeah. and then kansas missouri areas <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So right now, um, I got four single families. Um, one of them, well, yeah, three of them got tenants. One of them were in the middle of rehab, but um, that's another story I plan to share later. Um, if you do ask me about it, but yeah, right now we got four single families and I'm trying to work on getting some multifamilies in there. Awesome. Uh, what type of multifamilies are you looking at? Residential or commercial? Um, residential right now, one through fours, but I'm op uh, two to fours, but I'm open to going bigger maybe up to 12 or 16, not something super crazy at the moment. Now, same, uh, same as well. Uh, so I'm looking at, I started off with multifamily actually. And then oh. now I'm looking to do, do burrs, looking to do my first burr with a single family. So this would be my first time trying to do a single family burr, uh, which hopefully is easier because I'm so used to renovating duplexes and triplexes. So to go to a single family with, you know, one water meter, one power meter, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so I'm kind of going a little backwards, but oh, the, cool. the, the, the amount of cash flow that you can get 
out of it. It's crazy. Uh, and so we did the math, right? So we did the math on how much we would need and how many properties we would need in order to be financially free for me to step away comfortably from my job, right? My W-2. Because like I said, she's retiring in a couple of years. And so it was. we said, all right, we'll do the Burr method. Aside from the, the commercial property that we want to buy, if we just with the, the Burr method, how much does each uh, house need a cash flow? Okay, each house needs at least cash flow $500 in order for us to be able to meet this mark in you know, X amount of years. And so it, it, you start looking through all the properties. Is it possible? Even actually, we actually slipped in and saw some duplexes where you could burn those and they were worth it as well. Yeah. If you find it, you can find it cheap enough. Uh, and so it's kind of finding, that's why I like the burn method because it's the, the cash flow, obviously the headache, right? Or the work you have to put into it, but nothing great comes out of, you know, easy, right? right? So that's yeah. the part about it that I, I feel like validates this this process. And, and by the way, uh, Burr is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Uh, so for those that we didn't explain it earlier. So with that process, uh, I think that's what validates it even more because you have to put in the, 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 the research, you have to run your numbers, you have to find a good team, and then it will pay off in the end. Worst case scenario, worst, worst case scenario, you're breaking even from rent and your mortgage, but you still got probably 70 grand at equity. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I like about the, the Burr process. You know, um, you can't really lose. You just end up holding it longer, make back whatever you left in if you end up leaving something in. Right. So, yeah. And you get that experience, right? Uh, compared to buying a turnkey or going through the whole Burr process. With the turnkey, you don't necessarily know the quality of work that was done. You may not have vetted the tenant or, you know, done all that. You just kind of inherited them. So with the Burr process, at least you can, you know, every step of the way, the quality of product you got. No, yeah, so you're right. Confident. Yeah. yeah. How was it uh, with the uh, contractors uh, dealing with them as far as with your Burrs, especially with being so far away? <laughs> yeah. So um, the first one I worked with, perfect right um awesome. great communication um great product everything was also a referral from my mentor so yeah that one was perfect another contractor i worked with um <laughs> not that great right um oh man let's see so okay so ultimately what happened he just walked off the job right Mm. Um, maybe it was a number of things, the fact that I'm far away or he got overwhelmed, you know, he bit off more than he could chew, whatever it was, he ended up leaving and walking off the property, you know, and, and I had friends in the area that happened to, um, that walked it for me, or at least visited the property to yeah. kind of check up on it. Ceiling fans were all left on lights left on the door was left unlocked, you know, and I don't know how long all those things have been going on. I mean, yeah. I, I got my electric bill and then, yeah, sure enough. Yeah. It's probably been on That's for a while, but yeah. Yeah. And, um, he wouldn't respond. So it was good for like the first four to six weeks of rehab, very communicative, sending me pictures almost every day, calling me. I mean, really, really good stuff. So my hopes were high. Then all of a sudden started dropping off, not calling every day, not texting every day, turned into a few days to a week. 
And then just got a hard time getting a hold of him. My agent had a hard time getting a hold of him. I mean, all these different things. And, and you think he, he put just, too much on his plate? You, you think he put too much on his plate? I think so. I think so. And uh, the few times that I did get a hold of him on the phone, he had mentioned that he was feeling overwhelmed and he wasn't expecting to do this amount of work, right? Um, what happened was, so we went into the property with the floors being sloped. Yeah. And he suggested that we just go underneath, throw a couple of jacks up in the, under there and lift up the floor joists. Yeah. Close on our property. He gets into demo, uh, I think second or third day of demo, rips up the subfloor. <laughs> There's no joists there to jack up. Basically termites ate through it all. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. And um, more demo revealed more termite damage in the walls. Right. And so that he, I don't think he was expecting that much work. Right. We went into it just doing flooring, paint, kitchen bath, cosmetic stuff. Was it, um, did you do, did you do an inspection prior to purchasing? I did. I didn't have a home inspector inspect it. I just had a GC, a couple of GCs walk it to give me bids. Okay. Gotcha. But in that, so I was a second uh, buyer, right? Somebody else fell through and they did a home inspection and they did a termite inspection and the termite inspection didn't say anything about termite damage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah. And then in the home inspection, it was just typical stuff, you know, things that don't really necessarily need to be concerned about, you know, the, no. Yeah. 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 Well, especially if some, for some places that, so I found it hard when I was trying to buy a property uh, to Burr, it was an abandoned home. And so, you know, usually abandoned home, the, there's no running electricity, there's no running plumbing. And so there you are limited on what you can uh, inspect you are kind of kind of running a little blind unless you get a plumber in there that can that's going to crawl underneath the house and and check everything but right right uh, you there, there is a risk uh that and that's why they always mention you know have probably have an extra five or seven grand extra on the side just in case when you bust up a wall it's there's a skeleton and you're like wow okay have to go into the reserves for this one Right, right. Yeah. And, and going into it too, because I haven't worked with this contractor, um, his bid was considerably low. So I had built in my own contingencies on top of that. Um, but just unfortunate, you know, it, he just bit off more than he could chew. You know? I think the small solution to that is this, hey, like, cause this has happened to me. I probably, man, I'm not even lying, man, probably five or six times in the last two years where uh, a contractor just, just walks off, stops talking to me. And in the middle of a job, they have to finish some pieces of the job. And I never understood why they do that. And they continue to get work because nobody's really reporting them like, you know, or leaving bad reviews on Yelp or anything like that. But, uh, which is why on some big jobs, I'll go to, a, I'll just go to a big company because at least I know I can call somebody to get it fixed. Small end jobs, I have no problem with that one man job. But yeah. I just think it's, it's highly... It's highly frustrating. Like it literally just happened to me last week. Yeah, I had a yeah last week. I had a toilet that needed my tenants. One of my toilet uh, tenants needed a toilet uh, replaced. Guy came there, assessed what was wrong, told the tenant he was coming back. Never came back. 
Oh, and man. I called him. I called him. He's not answering his phone. Mind you, and he just did a painting job for me. He did like a $1,200 paint job for me. So I was like, all right, well, I'll give him more work. He did okay uh, with his team. And now I can't ever hear from the guy. And he he was actually a referral from somebody else that I trust too. So it's just so crazy. Like, uh, I, I don't like stuff like that because how do you intend to keep up with business? You keep doing that to people. At least refer me to somebody else. So if in your guy's case, hey, I built a promoter at you, but here's, I have another guy that I know that does good work. And he could finish the job for you. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's so funny, too, because in my conversation with this contractor, he always was emphasizing um, karma and wanting to make sure he does good work because he doesn't want anybody to say anything bad about him and so forth. So I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Um, but just didn't work out that way, you know, so. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he went, but uh... <laughs> you never could find him, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've yet yeah. to, by mistake, run into any of them yet. Uh, but mm. I hope I can. <laughs> yeah, I had some words. I, I really <laughs> had some words. Like, man, come on, man, just do good business. Just do good business, right? Right, and, and like uh, you said, you know, I mean, we get it if you can't finish the job, but at least refer us to somebody else, or you know, close that door, right? Like. Yeah. So how were you able to finish the job? Uh, did you revert back to your, the old guy that you used from the first uh, first property? Yeah, so I went back to the old guy to give me a bid. And for that particular deal, it just didn't work for me anymore. You know, with the costs of materials rising and him having to redo the work that the old contractor did. Yeah. Because the work that he the old contractor did do was all wrong. <laughs> um, so it's basically doing the whole job over again. So it just didn't work for me to continue the deal, you know? So what happened was, like I mentioned, I'm also a real estate mentor. So I'm working with somebody who I'm able to then help him get started with his rental portfolio. Okay. And even though I'm passing it off to him at a huge loss for me, when I look at it from an abundant perspective, I mean, yeah, I remember when I was getting started, I, need some, I needed somebody to give me a leg up, needed somebody to guide me. Um, whether that was a lender or my mentor or whoever it is. So I'm just trying to be that for the guy that I'm working with. That was very nice of you. Yeah. You know, and, and then I believe somehow I'll get it back. Maybe not in the same monetary form, but maybe I'll be presented with a different opportunity. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be money, but if I can help one person start their journey or at least get ahead a little bit in life, then it's cool with me. So do you, do you think the, the lesson was learned that uh, maybe don't go with the lowest bidder or was it just, you just got kind of unlucky. You, you thought you had the, the discernment was that this guy was a good professional, but he wasn't. A little bit of both. Um, I feel like had I been more diligent in the vetting process, I would have been able to identify some of the red flags that were popping up in the very beginning. You know, gotcha. again, applying what I had used with a property manager, with a contractor, was he getting back to me in time? Was he answering my questions? Was he being helpful and so forth? Which when I look back at it now, he wasn't as attentive compared to other um, members of my team, my agent, property manager, right? So yeah, I take full ownership of whatever happened, whether it was 
you know, he bit off more than he chewed or he walked off the job. I still see that as my fault because I could have avoided that had I been more diligent in the very beginning. Awesome. Right? And I think with real estate, a lot of it, I mean, taking ownership has a lot to do with real estate, right? Yeah. 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 Being, uh, being transparent with your, uh, you know, or being critical in yourself, uh, you know, when you made, you know, when you did good choices or when you made bad choices and learning from it, that's not because you're, you're paying, uh, Dave Ramsey calls it stupid tax when you have to pay money for mistakes. <laughs> as a, yeah. That's what he likes to call it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I've heard people call it like tuition, right? Oh, tuition. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah Ramsey, so. He's a little, he's a little harsh. He's a little harsh on people. <laughs> uh on his podcast or he's on his show uh it just and that just kind of stuck with me but um what we consider your best deal out of your uh your four properties so far you know i I really liked that first deal that I did. Uh, I would say that was my best deal, just all around. You know, that's the one that got me to start investing. It's the one where I experienced the different fears, the highs and the lows to where now I don't see them as um, crazy dramatic things, mm -hmm. right? But just going through that process, very memorable. Um, but the icing on the cake, yeah, is the money part buying it for 78, appraising for 132, That's awesome. being able to pull everything out. Yeah. And, and, and the tenant, you know, it's been performing since day one. The rents are under market at the moment, but I don't got to have any money in the deal. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So I, I would say that was, that's my best deal so far. We got a couple things in common, man. Uh, we both started in 2019. Uh, my first deal was my best one to date as well. Uh, currently the mortgage is 950, but the total rents is 2,500. Uh, and so I, I was able nice. to really make, I was able to really make out on that one. Uh, thanks to inflation, thanks to increased rent and, uh, thanks to a, a really generous seller. Um, I think he was of the understanding that I was a new investor and I was very honest with him. He was very honest with me. And, uh, I, I had a, I got the home inspected. It was a triplex. I got the home inspected. And he noticed, or I noticed, the inspector noticed that there was missing copper in the, in the HVAC system. So the tenants didn't have uh, any running AC, but it, it was not noticeable because it was like April time frame. So it's not too hot, not too cold. Oh, you're right. Outside. Right. And so, uh, so thank God, because it gets really hot over here. It was like 95 the other day. So, um, so yeah, we presented it to him like, hey, you know, you know, we'll lower the, I'm going to put in a lower offer because HVAC is a huge big deal, especially for this 2,500 square foot house. And the mm. seller bought a whole new HVAC for the, the whole building. Uh, so oh, wow. that was really, yeah, that was really generous of him. And that was definitely wow. the, um, that was definitely the generous uh, get ahead I needed in order to uh, close down on my first property. All I had yeah. to do now was just get the, the, it kept failing inspection though, because the roof, so the standalone garage is a 700 square foot standalone garage, which I intend to convert into a, a loft or like a, a mini apartment. Can't decide if I wanted to be an Airbnb or rent. I think I might end up making it an Airbnb, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but it, so it had a bad roof and I'm like, it kept failing. So I'm like, Hey, look, uh, it's not a part of the house. 
Nobody's living in it. Stop failing me on this on the appraisal so I can actually get the house. Right. Uh, and they were like, nope. So I had to pay the six thousand dollars in in order to get it fixed. But the way we did it about it was different. And so I the house at the time was appraised for one forty five. I we agreed on one thirty nine. So I used the equity in the home to the other six thousand dollars in the equity to take care of the uh, the repair of the of the um, roof. And we paid the contractor at closing. I believe that's called a concession. I got, I'll put a, I'll put a note in the, in the uh, YouTube channel of what it's called, but uh, Ooh, in some states yeah. you can't do it in either, but you can use the equity uh, in, in what's left in the deal, whatever the house is still worth, subtracted obviously from what you, you offered or accepted mm-hmm. offer and then pay whoever you need to pay at, at, the, at closing. Oh, that's awesome. So not, not, every, not every really real estate agent knows about it. And like I said, I don't think every state you can do that. Because um, mm. I've got, I've tried to do it again. And I've been told no. So I don't know if that was, a, if we were okay to do that at one, for that one time. But yeah. uh, it worked out. And uh, it's a, it's great because you could get, you could get repairs done on the spot. So it's kind of like a pre-burr, like you're, you're kind of burring uh, right before you close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, and it's yeah, and so so it's between you and the and the owner, you know, the seller. Hey, look, I'll increase the price if you fix X, Y, and Z, you know. Right, right. And then right. we just we just pay whoever we need to pay at closing. So write them a check. So that's how we kind of was able to close down on the first one, and it's worked out ever since. Uh, it's my baby. I don't want to give it up, uh, yeah. but I probably should. Maybe down the road, if uh, if that ten plex or eight plex comes down the road, because. I have, so you know how, you know, with the, with the multifamilies, usually whatever your rent is, your total rent is, is usually how much I could probably sell the home for. So mm-hmm. if my total rent is 2,500, I can get away with 250 K, uh, which would be, is about a hundred K over what I have, uh, on the mortgage. So, uh, I, that would be a hundred K is a great down payment down. If I do a 1031 exchange into yeah. maybe that six plex. So definitely thinking about it, but it's got to be the right cash flow. It's like, I'd have to have be getting 2% uh, back. So if I, if I find a spot for 600,000, uh, my total rent needs to be about 8,000. You know, if I could find that, right. At least 8,000, yeah. I'll, t- I'll take 8,000. Yeah. 8,000 total <laughs> rent. One point, one point, 1.5 or something like that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that, like that, that's like for me too. Like you know, selling that's my baby too, right? I don't know if I want to <laughs> sell it, but at the same time, you know, if the numbers make sense, I mean, <laughs> yeah. If yeah, well, right now I'm okay sitting tight right now because right now a lot of the homes are really, and I don't think they'll ever go down and not to what we experienced in 2019 or prior. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think we got to wait a little while before the deals start to make a lot more sense. Right now, people are kind of buying homes that's you know, for example, yeah, you buy for a hundred thousand, but then the rent's only seven hundred dollars. So, yeah. um, right. people are, people are running to it a lot again, which is why the burst system makes a lot of sense because I may buy it for seventy grand, put twenty into it, but now it's worth one sixty, and my you know I could charge rent, I could charge rent a hundred, you know, for fourteen hundred, even though it's worth one sixty because I only got ninety into the deal, and so yeah. it works out. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh man. That's awesome. What else? What are your future plans with real estate investing? Yeah, I'm planning to jump into some multifamily deals. Uh, I've been working on uh, creative financing offers with some off-market sellers. I've been looking at a couple sixplexes and uh, triplexes. So that's what I hope to get in the near future, just to get out of my W-2. I want to be able to focus more on helping others, you know, being a mentor to others, being able to volunteer more at my church. So right now my W-2 takes up a lot of time throughout the week. So if I can figure out a way to get out of that, it allow me more time to do meaningful work. So yeah, and your yeah. kids are still young. So you know, you you know, the plan is right. If if you can, by the time they start remembering, right, because they're not going to remember being one years old, two years old, three years old. Uh, by the time they're maybe six or seven, you're free. You're you know you know you're financially free to do as you please. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like spending time with them. I mean, that's part of my why, right? Part of my why investing in real estate is to spend more time with them while they're young. You know. Um, here in Hawaii, oftentimes our parents go to work and as kids, we are raised by our grandparents and that's oh, just wow. how it goes. That's, you know what I mean? And, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if I have the ability to stay with my kids and raise them and, and teach them and all these things like homeschool them with my wife, then I want to try, right? I want to go for that. And yeah. I'm hearing that more and more about uh, parents, uh, homeschooling. Uh, I've seen some of the programs on how, because uh, it, it seems intimidating to me, um, like teaching, you know, you're teaching your kid, like your kid's future is really on you academically. Uh, and right. so I know maybe offhand, I could probably go as high as maybe eighth grade. Um, but once we start getting to algebra two, I'm going to be a bit worried. So <laughs> Yeah, me too. I, I probably less, a little bit lower than that, maybe like fourth grade, but you know. <laughs> and yeah it's definitely a little daunting but you know <laughs> i love my no, wife do the research on that <laughs> I, well yeah well you know roles right you know you're figuring out ways for y'all to have that freedom bringing the income you know wife figure out how to cultivate the family and make sure that we are you know set up the house is a home so it's definitely i, I definitely believe in roles uh in the household in order to create some type of stability uh because yeah. it's, it's for the kids for the kids and uh, I think I have not, I have yet to invest out of the area yet because I can't even get, I personally, I can't even master getting a contract to do something and I'm in the same city. Uh, and I've, I've actually yet to find, so I've managed, so it's been about two years now, 50% of the time I've managed my own properties and the other 50% I've managed uh, my own, uh, uh, the property managers have managed and I've, mm -hmm. I have fired both. Uh, at fire both um one wow. the second one was better than the first one uh the first one was oh man i talk i used to talk about this often in season one of this podcast uh he he would he would if he didn't care for you he would try to give back the security deposit back to the tenant before it was even inspected even if they oh. owed rent wow yeah <laughs> not even wait the 45 wow. days after you know after they moved out he would just give it right back to him and i had to there was a lawyer that he closed. He's a real estate agent as well. He closes a lot of homes with the same lawyer I use for my operational agreements and my and my and switching my properties underneath my uh, the deeds underneath my LLC. And so I told him, like, look, if you if you do that, pull this crap with me that I know that you've done with others because he was about to do it to me, then I will, you know, take you to uh, court with this lawyer that you have a good relationship with and good luck closing any more deals with her. 
so right. yeah, it, it got pretty, it got pretty crazy with that dude. Cause um, like, like I said, just be professional. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. so some people, and I guess this is from, it depends on your personality. So I'm very, uh, we, we try to be, we probably ourselves being very organized. And so I can't, I can't go to my property every day. Well, not even my property manager can go to his, my property every day, but you do have a responsibility based off what we agreed to. So if you say you're going to go there every six months and inspect, then we inspect in a thorough inspection. We expect in his, uh, it was funny. He, he did his semi-annual inspection after we told him, we had to tell him, remind him to do it. Mm-hmm. and he his report back was well somebody's definitely living here i'm like well yeah we know that is there is a faucet leaking how's the toilet is it flushing is there clogging in the sink like how's the carpet look none none of that none of that wow uh, yeah it was horrible <laughs> second property manager better i would say better at trying but i think he has too much on his plate too much on his plate and he, he, I could tell he doesn't write stuff down. Everything's off the hip because everybody's probably always calling him. But he doesn't have a notepad or a calendar or his reminders or anything like that. Everything's, oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Oh, you called me, so I'm going to do it right now. And so he doesn't have a – and I need somebody that's organized. And it's like it doesn't sound like you're, like, sifting through paper as I'm talking to you and stuff like that. So good uh, heart, yeah. but, you know, uh, needs to be more organized and pri- know how to prioritize as well. Um, mm-hmm. but it was a be- definitely a better experience. Didn't have to worry about him screwing me much financially. Uh, thank God I don't have to worry about that because it sucks having to try to think ahead of somebody that's trying to find some ways to hurt you. Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. So it is exhausting, right? Because I'm sitting there bracking my brain like, okay, how can I make protect myself? Uh, and so this time I'm going to we're going back to managing our own properties uh, through a buildum or buildroom. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. use that portal to try to see how that works for us uh, in the meantime, while we, we vet out another property manager, probably for like another year, I'll, I'll manage my properties on my own again. Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I have a fake phone number that I set up for them to text me through. So they don't have my personal number and then they can right. mail the checks to our PO box. And then we have, uh, we have template letters all as well to, you know, mail out for rent increase or you're going to, you know, lease mm. renewal, stuff like that. Uh, so we yeah. kind of built a little, a little bit of a process uh, to because I, I don't want them hit me up calling my regular, my normal phone. And uh, I yeah, don't exactly. want, want yeah. my, my personal uh, address either, because I haven't had the best experiences with some tenants, you know, moving out and stuff. So, you know, I don't mm. want no drive bys, but it's been a uh, it's been a fun experience. Like I'm not even in some of the, the frustrating moments. Uh, I haven't felt like uh, I want to quit. Uh, I feel like there's definitely big opportunities a lot of money in it but it's not going to be it's not meant to be easy but it's been a fun ride so far especially uh mm-hmm. pandemic the pandemic portion was definitely interesting and crazy how did it affect you yeah no i mean i wanted to give up man i was like what in the world did i get myself into <laughs> but um through the process of investing i came across personal development mm-hmm. and i think personal development i mean yeah i just dove into it you know really increasing personal growth and that coupled with my mentor just pushing me got me through you know I think right in the summertime or ending of summer of 2020 we ended up oh that's when I locked up two deals at the same time to now it's like yeah it's not a big deal but at the time it's like what 
how, how do I deal with two properties in escrow and all these different timelines, right? And, awesome. And everything, but no, I mean, I, I can say 2020 was probably my best year. Um, That's awesome. Especially during I mean, I understand, the pandemic. Right? Yeah, but, and I understand for some people it may not have been, right? Um, just health-wise and so forth. Um, but, but thankfully, it depends on your perspective, but thankfully, um, I choose to see it as a really great year. A great year for me in growth, personally, relationally, um, portfolio, so forth. I mean, yeah. So initially the pandemic kind of deterred me, but just being surrounded by good people, the right people who are going to encourage me and, and all that, that's really what got me through it. And then it yeah. being a really, really good year. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Cause uh, yeah, having a good team and having a, a, a good support system, uh, you may not be able to be as successful as if there was not a pandemic, but you can definitely still make, you know, move forward and progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's that line, right? Things happen for us, not to us. So, okay. The, you know, the, the setbacks that may have happened to people in, in 2020, um, at least for me, I choose to see it as that happening for me. You know, I needed to go through that, whatever those things were so that I could be here today the investor that I am, the um, personal development coach, the real estate advisor, all those things. I needed to go through all that in order for me to be who I am today, right? So I like to look at it that way. Things happen for me, not to me. No, nah, I love that, man. And so I wanted to talk, uh, touch on this my last question. Uh, just go a little bit more in depth, man, as far as your why. Your, your, all you like to say is your rich state of mind uh, so that the audience can hear that in closing out. Yeah, sure. So I'm sure when you talk a lot to investors, they get into real estate because they want freedom or they want more time with your family or um, whatever it is. Because for me, that's what I started off with. I wanted more time with my daughter and my wife, right? I wanted freedom. But as I really dove into personal development and did different things, I identified what my real why was. And what I discovered what my why is and why I invest in real estate, why I'm helping people is because I don't want people to feel unloved, uncared for, and forgotten. And that's because when I was growing up, those are all the things I felt like as a kid. I felt unloved. I felt forgotten. I felt uncared for. And just realizing that I don't want others to feel that way when I'm working with them or when I'm speaking with them or when I'm in their company, that's what drives me to invest in real estate. That's what drives me to do what I'm doing, to help others do, like passing off that deal to the guy that I'm working with, right? Yeah, it's not about so the money. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, like it's not about the money. It's about helping him get started, right? And so for me, from as far as what my why is and why I'm doing all these things, whoever I'm working with or speaking with or just in relationship with, I don't want them to feel unloved. I don't want them to feel uncared for. And I don't want them to feel forgotten. Because I know what that feels like, and it's not a good feeling. You know, that's beautiful, man. I I really appreciate your transparency on that as well. And uh, where can people find you at? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Breaking Rhythm. So Breaking Rhythm is kind of like my uh, personal development coaching business. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me at Brandon Rabe. That's uh, B R A N D O N, and Rabe is R A P E. And uh, I have a website breakingrhythm.com so awesome definitely yeah. we'll put all we'll put all that uh, all the links in the description below of the, of the video 
and of the podcast on an audio version so people can check this out, man. You'll be episode 59, I believe. So like the one episode before season two, or the end of season two. Cool. Awesome. I'll let, let you know when it comes out, man. I appreciate your time, man. It's been great. Yeah, no, thank you for your time too, man. I appreciate this. It's awesome.